Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. for joining us on Bell Curve today. I'm Liz Bashirs and I'm jo- joined by my co-hosts, Rachel Blackman-Briars and Mary Scott Hunter. We're talking today about one of my favorite genres of movies, superheroes, and discussing what makes someone heroic and our, who our own personal heroes are, heroines, and role models. But first, I want to go ahead and put in a plug that if you don't already follow us on the socials, you can find us at Bell Curve Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And over on the website at bellcurvepodcast.com, you can read our show notes, see a little bit more about our lovely hostesses. And um, we hope that you'll check that out, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your fine podcast material. And let us know what you think about our conversations here. Um, The last several years, we've had this amazing streak of superhero movies It really got started in 2005 with Batman Begins and Christopher Nolan's incredible Dark Knight series. Then, of course, since Iron Man 2008, we've had the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Infinity Saga, which just culminated with Endgame in April. And I'll go ahead and say that we aren't going to go into anything really spoilery of any of these movies, so don't worry about that. But we will be briefly discussing individual characters. Uh, So first, I want to ask you, who is your favorite fictional superhero or superheroine? I love the flawed ones. I like, uh, the for the Marvel side of things, I like Iron Man and, and Black Widow, and I love Fat Thor. And oh my gosh, I think I just gave it away. That was a giveaway, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, we just said we wouldn't do any spoilers, but I'm sorry for y'all that haven't seen Avengers Endgame yet. Thor, Thor gets fat. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> Oh, so I like the, I do like the flawed ones. I like Black Canary and Catwoman and, you know, all the, all the ones that have a backstory. I, of course I love Superman and Supergirl and, but they're so good. There's nothing not great about them. And I, I kind of like the ones that have some inner struggle. You know, I think that's what I like about Wolverine. We, we named our son Logan after Wolverine and that was my, oh, hus- my husband awesome. yeah that was my husband's choice at first and I was like you know it's, it's funny because I'm coming into this new stage where I'm getting into superheroes but I, I kind of think I thought that was dorky like a decade ago and so you know when Pepper's like yeah I really want to name our son after Wolverine I'm like oh gosh don't tell anybody that that's so dorky <laughs> but then you know like a, I like love we've, it I know like we've talked about before now I have a Wonder Woman poster on my wall and I'm really uh, like loving superhero movies I love the Avengers series I've been rewatching Lord of the Rings lately love those like epic stories love Harry Potter I mean I guess he's technically kind of a superhero if you want to think of it that way absolutely yeah so I'm st- I'm like kind of coming into this new stage but you talk about the flawed the flawed characters to me um Wolverine just like hits it because he's he's really trying to do good but he's having to deal with all of his own stuff you know I think Batman's the same way I like I like him a lot 
So y'all, mine might actually be the opposite of, of your reasoning. Mine is Captain America. He is just so dreamy. And it's not just because... <laughs> not just because he's awesome and good looking. It's, it's not Although not because, as good looking as Thin Thor. <laughs> that's, okay, that's true. Uh, but it's not just because Chris Evans, the actor who plays him, is handsome. But a, a big part of it is uh, that he reminds me a lot of my husband. Um, I There is nothing that I find more attractive than righteous indignation. <laughs> just like very... Uh, right is right and wrong is wrong. And I'm going to stand up for what's right no matter the cost. Uh, Mm. They're both, both my husband and Captain America are Enneagram ones. And uh, they're both very much against government overreach. I mean, come on, be still my heart. That's like the thing that's closest to me. (laughs) (laughs) I I love Captain America. I love what he stands for. Um, You know, he is probably a lot closer to a quote unquote perfect character or flawless character than some of the ones that you mentioned. But I also, I love Iron Man as well. I mean, that's a difficult one. Definitely a Marvel person. Um, But so what is it about superhero movies that really draw us in? Why, why are they such a big thing right now? I think there's something in all of us that longs for the ideal, longs to be the ideal, longs to admire the ideal. I mean, think even back to Greek mythology was that was sort of hero worship in a way, these stories that, you know, these characters had superhero powers. And I I just I think it's something very interesting about our psyche that we we long to bring out some kind of a power within. And even as children, it's just it just seems ingrained in us to want to be larger than we are. I think that is just something we as humans can't get away from we everyone wants to leave their mark every and and of course some people leave it in a big dramatic way some people leave it in a negative way mother teresa left it in a you know in the streets of of delhi i mean it human beings want to leave something in our children and our and on our world and 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 not just have the world keep going and keep spinning after we're gone and so i do think that superheroes and these larger than life stories tap into that basic desire to to do something that lasts i think there are two ways you can look at it there is a New York Times article that I read in research for this episode that took a really cynical look at it. And it was almost a we a cult of self thing. Like we we see ourselves as the heroes of our own lives. And so we want to see that reflected on the screen. I think it's the other way. I think it we see in ourselves the possibility of greatness, but we need it demonstrated for us through pop culture sometimes to be able to say, hey, if that person can make the right decision or do the hard thing, even if that hard thing is like, you know, throwing a car uh, to, to beat the bad guy, then I can do the right thing to make good decisions. But let's bring it back down to real earth. Who are some of your real life heroes? I think the thing that all of my real life heroes have in common, I've been thinking about it, is that they're all they're all people who they're doing really hard things that require tough sacrifices because they're, they're trying to harness the courage of their convictions. Like maybe, I guess the, the Christian phrase that I hear a lot is they're, die to yourself, die to yourself. Y'all, y'all hear that sometimes in church? It's what to me seems uncompelling are the heroes who are, they're selfish. They're, 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 well, they're probably more like the villain. 
they're doing something out of a selfish motivation. So that's uncompelling. But even when you think about the stories that were drawn to the characters who are heroes, they're doing it out of love for others. They're putting themselves in harm's way. I think that's what we all kind of like want to shoot for, but it's just so hard. So like, for instance, the people that I really admire are doing things that I myself would find extremely hard. So like, no one's going to know these people. They're not well-known people, but the homeschooling mother of six, seven, eight kids. (laughs) I think, Uh, yeah, she's a hero. Yeah. Like I think of those people who (laughs) like that could not possibly be easy. They're doing it because they have some kind of conviction. They've got the courage of their conviction. It requires a ton of sacrifice and they're doing it anyway. I think about two types of two traits, I guess, that are sometimes present in one person at the same time and sometimes are just the big mark of that hero. And one is persistence. When I think about Margaret Thatcher, for instance, she was so persistent in her convictions for so long and she stayed with it and stayed with it and stayed with it and stayed with it some more. And and that is what it took. I just think we have a problem with that today in our everyday heroes. We, you know, we don't have as many everyday heroes because in America, we're let's face it, we're kind of a soft culture, and and when things get hard, you know, we sit down sometimes and too often. And and heroes don't stop. Heroes don't accept no for an answer. They keep going no matter what. And they are not going to be pushed back or, or, you know, they may have to go in a different direction. They may have to go around it. They may have to go over it, but, but they keep pushing. And that is to me, you know, just a mark of a great hero. And the other one for our, just our everyday heroes or even our famous heroes, it's grace under pressure and seeing people who are under the most tremendous pressure handle situations with grace and dignity and honesty and all those great marks of a of a person who knows themselves really well and who is able to function in a in a very tough circumstance with grace and dignity. I just I really admire that. So I'm going to get a little more specific than y'all did and name some people. Um, one of mine is Sir Nicholas Winton. He have y'all. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. And I really think he, you know, at least in this part of his life, really embodies some of the traits that that y'all were just talking about. So Sir Nicholas Winton was a, a British man who saved 669 mostly Jewish children from Nazi-occupied Czechoslovakia at the eve of World War II. Mm. Um, a few months ago, maybe it was a few years ago at this point, he, there was a video that kind of circulated around where he, who, and he just passed away, I think at the beginning of, of 2019. But, um, so this was recorded a few years ago and he was still a very elderly man. He was wheeled into this big room full of people and um, he knew he was being honored for what he did uh, to you know, save people's lives in World War II. But at the end, it's revealed that the people in the room with him are the people he saved they're the children that he saved from the knots and like they all stand up and like gosh i'm getting chill up just thinking about it but he you know there are so many examples of that kind of story from world war ii where people stood in the face of you know abject evil and did the hard thing 
So he's one of my heroes and we'll link that video in the show notes because it's just, it's so incredibly powerful. But you know, some of my heroines are Elizabeth Kenny Stanton and Cindy. Oh, I had her down. I had both of them down. I love, <laughs> yes, the suffragists. Women who fought so hard in the first part of the 20th century to be granted their right to vote, even though you know, the law said they weren't allowed to in many places and, and society was really hesitant to. They fought and they fought and they fought. And, you know, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the ratification of of women's suffrage. And that's something really to be celebrated. A- another thing, you know, in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, at the Market Square, there's this statue of uh, suffragettes. And I saw it in person about a year ago now. And it was another one that just like, made me tear up to think about these women who stood in the face of people telling them, no, you're wrong, and said, no, I'm going to stand here and fight for what I believe is right. And they just persisted and persisted. And then they they ended up winning and obviously were on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. We just went to, we just, we took a family trip and went to Williamsburg and we saw, of course, all the historic sites at Williamsburg, but Yorktown is nearby and you can go to Yorktown, you can go to Jamestown. There's all kinds of history all through the peninsula there. But, but I was just really struck by the siege of Yorktown. And especially there was, there was one part of that siege. It wasn't a battle. It was a siege, but, but there were these two redoubts and they had to be taken. And one was taken by a French contingent because the French were our allies during the war. But another was taken um, by one of our founding, led by one of our founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton. And we always think of him as a, as a really a, a finance mind and kind of the father of our Wall Street and financials. But but he was also a wartime leader and fought, unlike Jefferson. Jefferson, who's maybe even more renowned and remembered, was never a member of the United States military so or the colonial military. So oh, I think of that hand-to-hand fighting. And and, and not only that, the, the taking those redoubts meant they had to clear these brambles and clear these trenches that were dug. And I just think, I mean, I was an Air Force member. We never got anywhere near any kind of fighting like that, nowhere even close. And the the bravery that it would have taken to run across that field and start hacking away at the the wood and the stacks of things that they had done to create a revetment. I, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know what half those words mean here, Scott. <laughs> what is a redoubt and what is a revetment? Uh, revetment? <laughs> um, just barriers. They're, they're barriers that you would build and uh, that you would, that would be part of your defenses. Okay. Thank you. On the other side of things, who are some people who maybe used to be heroes to you who you've felt betrayed by? This is kind of an interesting topic at the moment because Martin Luther King Jr., the mm-hmm. things that are going to be coming out about him over the next few years, the recordings that have been. And, and just for anyone who hasn't heard about that, there's going to be some things coming about, out about him that are quite disappointing And I wonder about even just historical figures that we might not know everything about them. And maybe they did. They did the one great thing. They were the leader of their time. You you mentioned um, Mother Teresa, but Christopher Hitchens, the late British author, the 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 famed atheist, took great issue with Mother Teresa. And you think who who could possibly take issue with her? But he wrote, I think, an entire book about things that he saw as major flaws in her. I'm not agreeing with that. Not disagreeing with that. But I, I think I have been thinking lately about your question. Can someone still be a hero when they turn out to be human or they turn out to 
be extremely good in some areas and extremely awful. I mean, like people even idolize Steve Jobs, say. But, mm-hmm. you know, after watching the documentary about him, I just kept thinking that the thing that kept coming back to me over and over was courage without kindness to me is not compelling. Oh, that gave me chill laps, the, the courage without kindness. To return to the question, can you be a hero and also to some extent be a villain? I mean, you know, look no further than the Bible to see a litany of characters. King David, who committed adultery and murdered Bathsheba's husband. Paul of Tarsus, who was a murderer and even at the height of his service to God, you know, really felt himself to be the worst of sinners. I I just, I don't think any of us who are trying to cultivate our capacity for virtue can do that without being clear-eyed about our capacity for vice. I, um, I, I read a Wall Street Journal article by Lance Morrow dealing with the MLK news, and he said, Grown-ups understand, though children and ideologues do not, what F. Scott Fitzgerald meant when he said that the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. And uh, Lance wrote, we will now live with two contradictory and irreconcilable ideas of Martin Luther King Jr. One mark of Generation X, my generation, is that we tend to be disbelieving, cynical, you know, just not very trusting. And I, I think that really inhibits our ability to identify with everyday heroes and we doubt them and Gen Xers would often doubt them. And I have a really hard time when I find either a religious leader or a person who professes religion, like a lot of politicians do, and you find out that they've done really terrible things that are totally contrary to what they've said they are. And Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart come to mind and Josh Duggar and, you know, who have been indicted in the news. All Mm -hmm. of us. And, and, you know, there's, it's, when you say you're one thing, it's one thing when you have people that are, when you have people that say they're one thing, they, they don't, they don't profess to be something and you find out they're bad. Well, okay. They didn't profess to be good. (laughs) But when you have people that, profess that they're good. I guess it's the me thinks thou protest too much or over protesteth, <laughs> whatever the Shakespearean term is. But the in Alabama, we've had men who've um, come out on the Ashley Madison list. And that bugs the tar out of me. I, I have never voted for any of those politicians that came out on the Ashley Madison list. I have a list. I know who they are. And I don't vote for them. And I, I just feel like if you're because all of our politicians protest their faith if they really were that, they wouldn't be on that list. It's so funny you talk about the politicians because for me, the answer is pretty simple. And it's it's pretty much any politician I've ever supported except for you, Mary Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. I mean, and for those exact reasons, I mean, humans ultimately are fallible. But it particularly, it seems to be particularly some those people who are in political office. I don't know if it's because... You, you know, you get there and you're surrounded by this pomp and circumstance and you're so important because you can make decisions. And so that corrupts you over time. Or if because maybe some of these people were just saying the right things to get into office in the first place. And, and you know, I, I want to I want to err on the side of believing the best in people. But when it happens over and over and over again 
and it seems like we really have you know are, have a rash of them here in Alabama, but it's it's a, it's a nationwide thing, and and so I hate to be so cynical, but you know, another big one for me is not a politician, obviously, is um, Bill Cosby. I mean, you know, I, I grew up watching the Cosby Show and loving that show, and then all that stuff came out about him. To me, that undermines the character you were playing. It, it undermines everything that you were trying to teach us through what was such a wholesome family show in the 80s and 90s. I just, like, God, it, it, it hurts. It hurts. Well, and that's where it, that's when these heroes that fall from grace, it doesn't just hurt them. It hurts everyone because you, you held them out. They were an example. And... And everybody's flawed. I mean, come on, let's face it. And I don't. But not I don't mean drugs young women and and assaults them. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the of difference. Course. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was yeah, nothing. Yeah, horrible. Just completely horrible from start to finish. But it's when people hold themselves out to be one thing and they're absolutely not that thing. That's what really disappoints us. That's what really stings. And you know. There, there are so many of these kinds of stories that have come out in, in the last several years. And it really, to me, puts a sharp edge on how there are truly, there are heroes and heroines out there. And there are people who do heroic things. But when hero worship turns into a form of idolatry, that's when it gets so dangerous. So dangerous. And we can we can turn people up front. We can hold them up to the point where we say, oh, there's no way they could have done anything wrong. Because they're this person in my mind, no matter you know, no matter what the other evidence says otherwise. But let's let's lighten this conversation up a little bit. Let's talk about some ways <laughs> that we how we as individuals can be more heroic in the best of ways. I, I've mentioned in a, per, a previous episode that I believe it is so important to do things that scare us on a regular basis so we can exercise what I call our courage muscles. Uh, along those lines, I found a few articles about how to be more everyday heroes. Uh, here are some of my favorite suggestions, and I'd love to get y'all's feedback on these. The top one is let go of your ego. Heroes don't care who gets the credit. Love that. Love, Love it. That. It's so hard. It, it, it is hard until you have done it a few times, and then it's like anything, doesn't it? Isn't that the whole point of those articles, that it gets easier as you practice? I think so. I think so. The next one is... Put your beliefs in action. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. By you know, support the things that you find important. Don't just think someone should do such and such. Be the one who stands up and does it. And this is a thing that I, I see over and over again. And I hear myself saying over and over again, it's like, well, somebody should do something about that. Well, why am I not the one doing something about that? <laughs> I would just add that being able to be okay with only doing the one thing that you can do, because I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with the enormity of problems. And it's like, I mean, there's there's arguments going on now in Alabama that people are being criticized for, well, are you doing enough in this arena? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think I think it's like, well, what can you do? Go do that mm-hmm. thing. And then don't you know, there's lots of people with lots of gifts, and you can't do them all. And I, I and I know we all know that that is just so cliche. But then we give in to those arguments where someone's like, "Well, I don't see you doing this," and you're and, and you start to feel guilty, and you're like, "Yeah, but I do a lot of other stuff. And if I did try to do it all, I would miserably fail." I think we all have a part to play, and it's important to when something bugs you, when something stands out to you, it's important to figure out what part are you supposed to play in this. You maybe aren't supposed to 
shepherd it from beginning to end. Maybe you're supposed to only play some small part. Maybe you're only supposed to just know about it well, isn't that and like spread the, the Aven- word. Yeah, like the Avengers team. They, they have their one superpower. Or it's like the body of Christ. You know, you there are the teachers and the people who sing in the choir. And, you know, it's it just, I love that. And, and again, getting back to that superhero idea, you do your thing really well. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think what you're saying, Rachel, goes back to the letting go of your ego part. You're exactly right. You can't be all things for all people and do everything and, and try to take on responsibility for everything. Part of that, too, I think, is being okay with saying, listen, I've got my lane and I am putting my heart and soul into it. And that's how I'm being a hero for my family, my community, and the things I believe the most strongly in. The next one on the list was that I thought was good was being generous with genuine compliments. How many times have you been standing in line at the grocery or at the park or somewhere and somebody said, Oh, I really love that dress. Or you're, this is, this is one I used to love when, when people would say this to my mom when I was little, because I'm so type A, but your children are so well behaved instead of just giving bad looks when your kids are being <laughs> naughty in the, in the store of uh, just how that can light up. Your oh, that day. never happens. But just how, how something as small as complimenting another woman particularly can just really light up your whole day. I Let me say where that can really make a difference. When you're in a situation where, like I'm oftentimes in a boardroom in my work situation, and when the the chairman or the president turns to you, you know, you've done something good, you're related to the group, you know, it, it may just be a normal part of the week, but when they say, good job. You know, they don't belabor it, but they just kind of, you know, just a good job. That's it. It, it, it just fills your tank. <laughs> you know, that is just so. And I think it's important to remember because we're all going to either be in the situation where we get a compliment or we have an opportunity to give a compliment. And, and it's great when it's private, it's in the grocery store line, it's unexpected, or it comes from your husband and it's one-on-one. But when it's in a, a setting of where in your of your peers where it's genuine and it's real and it's it's directed at something that you did that truly does add value. I think that's that just has a way of filling up your tank. You know, that makes me think of, I, and I cannot remember which book of his, but Ernest Hemingway wrote in one of his books that the worst thing you could do to a man would be to compliment him in front of his colleagues. Do y'all remember that oh. line? But but here's here's why, because I remember puzzling over that as well, because I think words of affirmation and, you know, someone having your superior give you credit for things is so important. And I think I know why he said that, or at least this is what it's ended up meaning to me. I really love it when somebody compliments you and then doesn't leave a pause for you to have to respond in front when this is in front of people, mm-hmm. because it's almost like being put on the spot when you're given a Christmas present and everybody's watching you to get your reaction. So what I think that looks like is this. Mary Scott, you really did an excellent job in that presentation. I think you just absolutely hit the mark. So guys, what do we think about blah, 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 blah? Do you, you know what I'm saying? Where people don't leave a pause or they give you a compliment and then they move on and you don't have to respond and be put on the spot. It's, it's one of those little, y'all know I'm a communication geek. I geek out on this mm-hmm. stuff. But that to me is like a really brilliant way to let somebody be in the spotlight and then gr- let them also graciously not have to be like, oh, well, thank you. Or no, no, oh, I didn't do my, you know, or like whatever that response ha- has to be. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, these, you, what you, what you asked originally, Rachel, uh, Liz was just little compliments, you know, not generous in your little, you know, it doesn't have to be this big thing, but when you are 
great job, Mary Scott. Great job, Rachel. And you just move on. There's just something so businesslike and crisp and it just leaves you with a good feeling and yeah, sets the tone. I think a a really important skill is being able to not only give, but receive compliments gracefully. And I know that's something that, that women struggle with a lot, but just being able to say, smile and say, thank you. And then move on. I think it's an important skill to develop. I, I agree. It can feel awkward sometimes. I agree. I agree. And not like sabotaging it and be like, you know, start saying all the reasons why it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Heroes wouldn't do that, would they? You know, Heroes would say, thank oh, you. You look, you look so pretty today. And just be like, oh, no, I don't. I look horrible. Like, what? who is that serving? That's not serving you. And it also, you know, might put the person who complimented you in, in the first place in, a, in an awkward situation. What Superman says when you know in the movies when you know all these little kids thank you Superman he says you're welcome young man you know I mean <laughs> there's no like self-effacing stepping back and oh it was nothing and I don't know it was like, you know it was it's a that was a big deal and I'm up to the challenge the last one I have on the list um, is sign up to be an organ donor and donate blood in if and when you can. This message brought to you by the American Red Cross. Just kidding, but seriously, <laughs> that is that is a super easy and and, and potentially important and life saving small step you can take to be an everyday hero. Absolutely. I have a friend that just lost her daughter and her daughter, it was a tragic loss because she was young, but she on you know, she was born and she lived 24 years and she died. And on the day of her death, she gave a life to four other people through her wow. organ donation. And she's a hero for that reason. You know, and on the on the topic of being an everyday hero and just doing little things, you know, back to Mother Teresa, something, an idea that she put forward was, you know, everybody says they want to go and, you know, work in third world countries and help orphans and do all these things. But what are you doing for the people in your own home? And that's always kind of struck a chord with me just as a, as a, a mother and a wife. Maybe I'm daydreaming about doing some awesome thing one day and really helping people. But then if I grumble about having to make dinner for my family, like, but you want to go feed orphans, <laughs> right? So just, you know, the people who are in your sphere of influence and your sphere of responsibility, you know, being an everyday hero to them. I love that. And I'll thank you all for all of your brilliant suggestions and additions to this conversation. Well, I think that does conclude our Bell Curve Convo about superheroes. Please let us know what you think by joining the conversation on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Bell Curve Pod. And again, please take a minute to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. It really helps us get into the feeds of other people who might be looking for some some good girl talk with the, with the Bell Curve ladies. So please uh, take a minute to do that and we'll see you next week. 